Hailing well met, all you fine folklore-loving freaks out in the rapidly cooling hinterlands. It's Rock Rollin' Solo, here dropping some dark tales of the old world during the season of scares. Now, as y'all know, we love us some Halloween shenanigans here at Nightmares and Daydreams. And nothing screams Halloween like lovely fall weather, crisp pumpkin spice lager, and the ubiquitous and oh-so-tasty caramel-covered onions. Classic. Now, gang, we've had some requests for more fairy lore of late. The fairy abductions episode from our very first season is one that we consistently get comments on, and it seems to have struck a chord. So like Maxie always says, you ask, we deliver. Eventually. Now, the lion's share of these legends are going to be from Wales, y'all. And the Welsh language can be a bit tricksy, so you'll pardon me if I butcher some pronunciations. Did some research, looked it up, but y'all know how the web is. So, as I like to say, grab your beverage of choice, a comfy chair, a crackling fire if you have one, and join me as we head back into the old world for legends and myths of Wales. One of my favorite fade tricksters of all time, and our loyal listeners know this, is the Puka. And though he's found predominantly in Irish folklore, this shapeshifter has been making the rounds in Welsh myth and legends for literally as long, centuries. So let's get into a couple of quick stories, shall we? The most familiar form of the puka is one which I have encountered in several localities, varying so little in its details that each account would be interchangeable with another by the changing of local names. Now this form presents a peasant who is returning home from work or from a fair when he sees a light traveling before him. Looking closer, he perceives that it's carried by a dusky little figure holding a lantern or a candle at arm's length over its head. He follows it for several miles and then suddenly finds himself on the brink of a frightful precipice. From far down below, there rises to his ears the sound of a foaming torrent. At the same moment, the little goblin with the lantern springs across the chasm, alighting on the other side, raises the light again high over its head, utters a loud and malicious laugh, (laughs) blows out the candle and disappears up the opposite hill leaving the awestruck peasant to get home as best he can in the complete darkness. A servant girl who attended the cattle on the trim farm near Aberdeen used to take food to Master Puka, as she called the elf. A bowl of fresh milk and a slice of white bread were the component parts of the goblin's feast and were placed on a certain spot where he got them. One night the girl, moved by the spirit of mischief, drank the milk and ate most of the bread, leaving for Mastapuka only water and crusts. The next morning she found that the fastidious fairy had left the food untouched 
Not long after, as the girl was passing the lonely spot where she had left the puka his food, she was seized under the armpits by fleshy hands, which however she could not see, and subjected to a castigation of a most mortifying character. Simultaneously there fell upon her ear, in a good set of Welsh, a warning not to repeat her offense on peril of still worse treatment to come. Now this story in the area is still thoroughly believed to this day. I visited the scene of the story, a farm near Abercarne, and heard a great deal more of the exploits of that particular puka, to which I will refer again. The most singular fact of that matter is that although at least a century or more has passed, and some say several, since the exploits in question, you cannot find a Welsh peasant in the parish that all but knows and believes about the area's puka. Now, gang, we're going to talk about fairy cattle. Max is jealous. Lil Barfog is the scene of the famous elven cow's descent upon earth from among the droves of the Guarig An. This is the legend of the origin of the Welsh black cattle, as related to me in Carthmithershire. In times of old, there was a band of elven ladies who used to haunt the neighborhood of Lil Barfog, a lake among the hills just back of Aberdovey. It was their habit to make their appearance at dusk, clad all in green, accompanied by their milk-white hounds. Beside their hounds, the green ladies of Lynn Barfog were peculiar in the possession of droves of beautiful milk-white cattle, called Gwartheg Elin, or cattle of the lake. One day, an old farmer who lived near Disserant had the good luck to catch one of these mystic cows, which had fallen in love with the cattle of his herd. From that day, the farmer's fortune was made. Such calves, such milk, such butter and cheese as come from the milk-white cow never had been seen in wells before, nor ever will be seen again. The fame of the Fuacuil form, which was what they called the cow, spread through the country round. The farmer, who had been poor, became rich. The owner of vast herds, like the patriarchs of old. But one day he took it into his silly head that the elven cow was getting old, and that he had better fatten her up for the market. His nefarious purpose thrived amazingly. Never, since beefsteaks were invented, was seen such a fat cow as this cow grew to be. Killing day came, and the neighbors arrived from all around to witness the taking off of this monstrously fat beast. The farmer had already counted up the gains from the sale of her, and the butcher had bared his right arm. The cow was tethered, regardless of her mournful lowing and her pleading eyes. The butcher raised his bludgeon and struck fair and hard between the eyes, when lo, a shriek resounded through the air, awakening the echoes of the hills and the butcher's bludgeon went through the goblin head of the elven cow and knocked over nine adjoining men who were holding her, 
while the butcher himself went frantically whirling around trying to catch hold of something permanent. Then the astonished assemblage beheld a green lady standing on a high crag above the lake and crying with a loud voice. Come, yellow anvil, stray horns, speckled one of the lake, and of the hornless Doden, arise, come home. Wherein not only did the elven cow arise and go home, but all of her progeny to the third and fourth generations went home with her, disappearing in the air over the hilltops and returning nevermore. Only one cow remained of all the farmer's herds, and she had turned from milky white to raven black, whereupon the farmer in despair drowned himself in the lake of the green ladies, and the black cow became the progenitor of the existing race of Welsh black cattle. White people got to get greedy, y'all. This farmer was lucky enough to have a random fairy cow fall into his herd, change his fortune, and then he wants to butcher the poor thing? Rule number one, listen to your gut. But rule number two, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Or in this case, the fairy cow that made you rich. Now let's get into some tales of Mountain Fae. The Gwydion are female fairies of frightful characteristics who haunt lonely roads in the Welsh mountains and lead night wanderers astray. They partake somewhat of the aspect of Hecate of Greek myth who rode on the storm and was a hag of horrid guise. The Welsh word Gwyll is variously used to signify gloom, shade, or duskiness, a hag, a witch, a fairy, and a goblin. But its special application is to these mountain fairies of gloomy and harmful habits, as distinct from the alien of the forest glades and dingles, which are more often beneficent. The Gwydion take on a more distinct individuality under another name, as the Elion do in Mischievous Puck, and the old woman of the mountain typifies all her kind. She is very carefully described by the Prophet Jones in the guise in which she haunted Landhidel Mountains in Manmouthshire. This was a semblance of a poor old woman with an oblong four-cornered hat, ash-colored clothes, her apron thrown across her shoulders with a pot or wooden can in her hand, such as poor people carry to fetch milk, always going before the spectator, and sometimes crying, wow up. This is an English form of the Welsh cry of distress. Those who saw this apparition, whether by night or on a misty day, would be sure to lose their way, though they might be perfectly familiar with the road. Sometimes they heard her cry, wow up, when they did not see her. Sometimes, when they went out for the night to fetch cool water, the dwellers near that mountain would hear the cry very close to them, and immediately after, they would hear it afar off, as if it were on the opposite side of the mountain. The popular tradition in that district was that the old woman of the mountain was the spirit of one Juan White, who lived time out of mind in those parts and was thought to be a witch. 
because the mountains were not haunted in this manner until after her death. When people first lost their way and saw her before them, they used to hurry forward and try to catch her, supposing her to be a flesh and blood woman who could set them right. But they could never overtake her, and she on her part never looked back, so that no man ever saw her face. She has also been seen in the Black Mountains in Breckenshire. Robert Williams of Langatak Krikhal, a substantial man of undoubted veracity, tells this tale. As he was traveling one night over part of the Black Mountains, he saw the old woman, and at the same time found he had lost his way. Not knowing her to be a specter, he helloed to her to stay for him. But receiving no answer, he thought she was deaf. He then hastened his steps, thinking to overtake her, but the faster he ran, the further he found himself behind her, at which he wondered very much. Not knowing the reasons of it, he presently found himself stumbling into a marsh, at which discovery his vexation increased, and then he heard the old woman laughing at him with a weird, uncanny, cackling laugh. This set him to thinking that she might be a guil, and when he happened to draw out his knife for some purpose, the old woman vanished. Then he was sure of it, for Welsh ghosts and fairies are afraid of a knife made of cold iron. Dancing with the Fae Dancing and music play a highly important part in stories of this class. The Welsh fairies are most often dancing together when seen. They seek to entice mortals to dance with them, and when anyone is drawn to do so, it is more than probable he or she will not return to their friends for a long time. Edmund William Rees of Aberystwyth was thus drawn away by the fairies and came back at the year's end looking very bad, but he could not give a clear account of what he had been about, only said that he had been dancing. This was a common thing in these cases. Either they were not able to, or they dared not, talk about their experiences. Now gang, thanks for hanging out with me as we drop some fun bonus Halloween content. Legends from the old world are some of our favorites and perfect for this time of year. And as always, please share the pod. We ask every episode because it's so damn important for us to keep growing, moving forward, and sharing our little brand of fun, frightened folklore. Find us on all the socials. Send your stories to us at nightmarespodcast at gmail.com or go to our own website at nightmarespodcast.net. Scroll down, see the wolves, and send us your tales of terror. Well, ladies and gentlemen, happy Halloween, and as always, be good to each other and sweet dreams. dreams. dreams.